Hello and welcome to The Silver Window. I'm Alex Ruiz. I'm Kyle Brooks. And today we're here with Seth Bowling, an actor and screenwriter who's currently studying here at the Master's College to get his degree in communications. Uh, yeah, Seth Bowling is a Golden Globe renowned actor. He's won three Oscars, I think it is. Uh, and we're just, we're blessed to have him on the show. It's truly an I honor. I don't know how he did it. It's great. Um, yeah, but no, Seth, Seth's a good friend of ours and we asked him to be on the show. Uh, he has a lot of film expertise and a lot of... Uh, Opinions. Movie. Yeah, a lot of opinions. That's very it's kind true. of a jerk. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, it was, it was just a, it was just a great time having Seth on the show. It was a really fun podcast. Um, talking about, well, you'll see in a minute, or you can just read the title. Either way, but yeah, um, stick around for this great conversation with uh, superstar, world-renowned actor Seth Bowling. <laughs> Okay, so today we're here with Seth Bowling. He is a actor. Um, he goes to our school, the Masters College, and we have him here today talking about his favorite movie, or one of his favorite movies, Goodfellas. Um, Seth, good to have you on the show. Thank you very much. Funny story before we get started. Um, you know, actually, this podcast that we're having has been a product of Kyle and Alex practically begging me all semester exactly. to come on to their podcast. It's just been a matter of like and just schedules. Getting the schedules worked out, I've been very busy, haven't been able to fit it in, but I'm happy I was able to finally accommodate it. Like even before it was just like a matter of getting our schedules to coincide, it was just like getting Seth's attention and like getting him to so, notice us. And hey, Seth, like... I know you live right next to me, but please notice us. We share a wall, but... You guys are too nice. Yeah. I'm, so always, I'm always happy to help it's out. It's an honor to have you on. And it's an honor to be talking about Goodfellas. It is always an honor to be talking about Goodfellas. Yeah. So, Goodfellas, directed by director, uh, amazing director, Mark Scorsese. Um, just great movie about a mobster and then his sort of life rushing through the mob and... His definitely. decline. Yeah, his decline. Rise and fall. Rise and fall of Ray Liotta. What, what's his real... What's the guy's name? Uh, Henry Hill. Henry Hill. There you go. Nice. Um, so, Seth, why is this your, one of your, your favorite or one of your favorite movies? Um, a very good question, Kyle. Um, it is one of my favorite movies because it's probably one of the most honest movies that I've ever seen. It's a directed by Martin Scorsese, who's one of my favorite directors, absolutely phenomenal. Uh, Robert De Niro in his prime, who's an amazing actor. Uh, Joe Pesci, who won an Academy Award for his role. Um, it's the only Oscar out of this movie, right? Correct. It was nominated for several, and surprisingly, Joe Pesci was the only one to win an Oscar, and everybody was kind of shocked. Um, actually, at the Oscars that year, Joe Pesci only said five words because he didn't prepare a speech. He had, did not think he was going to win at all. Um, but no, it's one of my favorite movies just because I think another big reason, because it's so honest, but it's also so relatable. Uh, you know, Martin Scorsese has this way of, of telling these tragic stories and these these tragic characters but just sucking you in and really putting you in their shoes and inviting you into the world that he builds and Goodfellas is just a really an in-depth view of a very romanticized world mm -hmm. the mafia world um, you know we see it in in The Godfather and uh, which was you know Scarface all these mob movies um, the Sopranos, the TV show, all these these mafia and mob worlds that are very romanticizing. Goodfellas just really strips that all away and and 
many of the people, the, the writer of the original book that it was based off, Nicholas Pileggi and Henry Hill, the real-life person of who the movie is based on, even said, have both said, the movie's 95% accurate. Um, and the inaccuracies are so small, they, they don't even matter. It was purely for, for technical reasons um, that they changed things around. So it's just it, it just really strips the flesh away. Scorsese does an amazing job of stripping the flesh away of these real-life people and putting you into their world and giving you a first-hand view of what it's like in that mob underworld. And it's, it's just so captivating and compelling. Mm-hmm. I think Scorsese does a really good job of like um, showing... like the like nature of fallen people but just like in ex out of excess like just in the way that he shows like all this stuff but he doesn't glorify it like stuff like all the drugs and all the killing yeah. and stuff it's just like it's never absolutely shown yeah. in a positive light but it's just shown in the way it is well and it yes it's it's an honest light mm-hmm. it's a real light there is no sugarcoating there's no justifying um you know, starting from Mean Streets. I mean, with Mean Streets, Taxi Driver, Casino, Goodfellas, uh, The Departed, Gangs of New York, a lot of these films, you know, Martin Scorsese, he was born in in these these types of neighborhoods in New York. This is where he grew up. His, his father was friends and colleagues with a lot of these men that were involved in this world. And so he grew up around this kind of lifestyle and he understood it and he, he knew what it involved. And so when he eventually became prominent as a director and had the opportunity, I mean, he just began by telling the stories that he knew and, and telling them honestly and truthfully. And he never, as you said, he never apologized for it. He never justified it. He never tried to make it romanticized or blow it up to be something it was not. It's like, this is what it is and take it for what it is. And, and a lot of people didn't really accept that very well. Goodfellas a lot of the preview screenings got horrible reviews. People were getting up and walking out of theaters. Um, he remembers on one particular instance, they got a comment card that just, you know, people cussing them out and just telling him it was awful and horrible. And studio execs wanted to pretty much just take out almost every violent scene in the film and people from all different directions that came down on Scorsese and his producers and editors and said this is you can't do this and he said I can do this I am doing this because this is what this is what really happens and this is the story and you know if you want this film to be made it's coming out how it is you're not changing anything with it and it was very rocky at the beginning and then I think people started to understand that and realize it and now it's you know, glorified as one of the most, uh, as one of the greatest films in history. Mm-hmm. And um, all of his movies are like that, where they kind of shock you with their violence and their their brutality, but then you kind of look past it and realize this is a real person. And, especially, especially Hugo. As a... Oh, absolutely, Hugo. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's a tearjerker, man. <laughs> yeah, Scorsese does a really good job of, like, taking every aspect of filmmaking and using it to tell his story with such, like, just excellence like he's so purposeful in the way that he shoots things and like the type of dialogue that they have and I think in like just the way that he like directs the actors into just like giving them just enough to still react to things absolutely absolutely I mean especially especially as an actor I mean there's one thing that is when directors get in your way and they try and um, tell you I don't know, it's hard to explain, but it's okay like an attitude of a director coming up to you and say, be angry. That's a horrible direction. As an actor, 
if you tell me to be angry and I go be angry, I'm, that's awful because it's, it's not real. It's just showing an emotion. It's literally acting, which is not what you want to be doing. You want to be living truthfully in an imaginary circumstance. And so Scorsese had a way of getting the best out of his actors without um, getting in their way or clogging down their mind with, with trying to play an idea and really just, here, this is the moment you're in. This is what you want. This is what your character wants. This is what you want. This is what you're trying to get. This is what's standing in your way. Now go get it. And just kind of letting them, letting them run with that. Um, and Ray Liotta even said after the process, he said it was so refreshing having a conversation with someone who is just infinitely more passionate about filmmaking than you were. And it was true because, you know, out of all of his sets, Scorsese was, he's just so passionate. And, and it's hard to find someone that's as passionate as he is. And um, so, yeah, he, he's just, he has a way of getting the best out of his, his characters and his actors. Um, and really just telling a fulfilling story. And a big part of that is his ability, which he really kind of has become one of his signature things with voiceover, uh, the voiceover aspect. It's, he creates another plane within the film world in a way. You have what's really happening in front of you, and then you have the voiceover almost breaking down that fourth wall where it's almost putting the character in your bedroom or your living room or the movie theater, wherever you're watching it. And um, a lot of voiceover is seen in some movies where it's almost like trying to patch up a crack. Mm -hmm. If there's holes in the story, uh, directors or whoever will throw in voiceover to try and fill in blanks, where Scorsese makes it an actual part of the film. And especially with Goodfellas, he read the book that Nicholas Pelleggi wrote and decided that this person, Henry Hill, this character, uh, is just so complex and there's so many levels to his humanity and what he's going through and he looked at it and said I I want to give him another voice but there's no way to put in you know how he feels about things or how he feels about people or how he feels about situations or what his opinions are or what what him and the characters were trying to do in certain circumstances there's no there was no way to put that into the dialogue without disrupting the story or disrupting Without making it seem fake or, you know, you're in a conversation, all of a sudden he says, um, you know, far as, back I, as far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. And it's just like, wait, what? Like, why, why are you telling me? You would and he would never say that. Henry Hill would never say that to anybody that he was, you know, to these gangsters. He would never walk up to them and say, hey, I always wanted to be a gangster. That's just not how you operated in that world. So, but that's how he really felt. And so that's where the voiceover came in of, of blanking it over the movie to where you really got inside Henry Hill's mind while you're watching the film and while you're watching them, him and, and Jimmy Conway and Tommy and all these characters interact. And, and he's done that in a lot of his films. He did it with Mean Streets. He did it with uh, Taxi Driver. He, you know, he did a cool thing with Taxi Driver. Progressively, as Robert De Niro's character got more and more insane, the less you heard the voice over. Um, he did it in Wolf of Wall Street. Um, he, so he, it's something that's kind of become a signature thing of his that really just pulls you deeper into the world and gives you a better insight of what's going on. Yeah, it helps, it helps make that world seem less like detached and less far away because we're right there with him. Um, they also use his wife's voiceover, mm -hmm. which at oh, yeah, first really seems super out of place because we don't know her at all and suddenly she's like, from the moment I met him. like, And it's just super strange. Yes. But then... It gives us like 
because she's the most relatable character to like the average viewer without like absolutely mm-hmm. that she's just normal of, and she doesn't like yeah she just gets pulled in and mm-hmm. it's just super like, and Lorraine I mean, her last name something super Italian it's like Duraco or something like that uh, was she was actually was cast in that role because she's from she's from the Five Towns district in New York um, and, and so she Martin Scorsese he knew right away that she would fit in and become relatable because she related to that lifestyle so well and it makes the characters like like you said very relatable when they're talking to you it's almost like you're having a conversation with them and it just makes you really uh, it just breaks down that wall of distance and and really puts you into their shoes into what in their mind really what they're thinking and um, so yeah it, it's a phenomenal technique if done right and he definitely does it right especially with this movie Street of sorrow, the boulevard of broken dreams. Where Gigolo and Gigolette can take a kiss without regret, so they forget their broken dreams. You laugh tonight and cry tomorrow. How personally, like, either as an actor or just like just in your normal life, how has this movie inspired you or been like an influence to you in your professional life? Um, it, it's made me want to work harder so I can be in Goodfellas too. <laughs> but no, I, it's, I don't think it's so much the movie as it is watching the creative and collaborative process that goes on. Because I watch a lot of you know, documentaries and interviews and behind the scenes stuff between the actors and, and Martin Scorsese, and on any film, in every film, not just particularly this movie, mm-hmm. and, and really seeing how they made this film uh, almost inspires me more than the film itself, and just seeing the, the creative process that went on behind the scenes, because that's something that I just, I love so much, and, and one of the big reasons why I, I act and, and want to work in film is because I mean, it is an art, and it is it is telling a story, and it's creating a world, and and creating characters and people, and and putting yourself into that world and, and living it out. And um, so to watch them at work, and then see these characters come to life. I mean, Robert De Niro and his his character is Jimmy Conway. It's just so it's such a brilliant performance. Uh, Joe Pesci, um, in real life, his character. Uh, Tommy was six foot two and two hundred twenty-five something pounds, and Joe Pesci is five foot four, um, and he totally just made that character his own and embodied the character and took it in a totally different direction. Um, and and watching those professionals do that, it it just makes me, it just gives me ideas for when I'm acting or I'm picking up a script and 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 not necessarily imitating them. I I don't want to imitate them. Never would try to imitate them. Um, but drawing on on the things that they've done and the performances they've given and using that um, and maybe picking up little things from them that they've done and, and adding that to my repertoire. So I, it's just when you watch great acting, any great acting or any great filmmaking and you're in that industry, in that medium, you obviously pull from it and use it um, because that's what they did. You know, De Niro watching Brando and James Dean and Laurence Olivier, and you know, so that's what they did. And so then now I'm the next generation, you know, watching them. So, mm-hmm. yeah. so in the in the movie, uh, I know Scorsese he uses a lot of different like filming techniques, such as like uh, like neo realism and like postmodernism and stuff. Like, and how does that? How do you think that that all like works together so well to create like one great, you know, story like Goodfellas is. Because you know he uses like, like a lot of improv, just like he relies heavily on the actors, and he also uses a lot of other stuff like uh, 
like fancy shooting techniques with a lot of lighting, like different lighting and stuff like that. Um, and like, how does that that stark contrast between those like several different uh, filming techniques? Like, how do you think that works together so well? I think it's just. I mean, it's it's it's. First of all, it's taking a risk. He everything he does, he knows what he wants, and he he already knows the movie before it's even shot and and things obviously change on the day but he's such a professional that that he already has an idea going into it um i think with the voiceover it brings in a lot of um pause and freeze scenes where you know at the beginning where de niro ray Liotta, and joe pesci they're driving in the car with Mm-hmm. The, 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 the Billy Bats character in the trunk mm-hmm. and then you know that's when they get out they, they pull over hear it you know um, banging in the trunk they go in the back and you see this bloody corpse in the trunk and and, and, and then they, stabs it. and then they just yeah. stab it and shoot him and, and kill him and then you know it zooms in on Ray Liotta's face and just freezes mm-hmm. and then it's you know as far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. And it, it like, just, you're watching this, it's a, your first experience in the movie, and you're just like, I've been watching this for 10 seconds, somebody's already dying. Yeah. And then it just, vroom, right into his face, and then the voiceover comes, and it's like, okay, oh, okay, so who's this guy? All right, here's this guy. All right, we have our main character, we have our protagonist, he's always wanted to be a gangster, he's obviously a gangster, and then he, he goes all the way back in time and puts you through... Uh, the the shoes of the younger Henry Hill and and doing a lot of um, montages through this young child's life all while the voiceover is narrating and and then you know um, not so much not as many one takes like Birdman but there is a scene where they get to the the Cobo, the yeah. club the Copacabana yeah. um, where they get out of the car and and Henry Hill's walking through with his his wife Karen. And it's all a one take, and he puts people along the route. And, and I've done one of those one takes in a film before. Um, and actually, the, the director said, "Go watch Goodfellas before we shoot this, because you know, just go watch it." And I, I did, and I, and then it was so. Then it was funny because I when I then every time I watch Goodfellas now and I see that scene, I remind of the time that I did it. But it's basically it's very hard to do, and a lot of people don't understand that a one take like that is extremely hard to do because there's. A thousand moving pieces, and if one thing goes wrong, you gotta start all over again. Um, and so that steady cam one take, where they're following the character through up, down, in through the kitchen, down through the basement, then up through the big ballroom with all these people. People will stand up, shake his hand, and he keeps moving. It just—it's a phenomenal piece of cinematography, and it's a phenomenal piece of storytelling because it, it tells so many things about that character and, and... And about the world he lives in and like the luxury of it and the weird... Like, right. And the respect and pa- that yeah. he, he has. Yeah. The respect that that character has from people in that world. And um, it, I mean, it's definitely a, a risky move because, I mean, you could shoot something like that all day and not get it and you've just wasted an entire day of shooting. Especially back then when you're shooting on film. Film is so precious. Um, you know, it's like eighteen dollars for for thirty seconds or something like that. I mean, it you know that's that's a big money and time risk. But he knew what he wanted, and he surrounded himself with cinematographers and, and crew that could make it happen, and, and he, they made it happen. And so, um, and it's something that's become kind of a staple again in his his um, his filmmaking. Kind of jumping forward, I think Wolf of Wall Street and Goodfellas are so similar in the technical aspect. 
of these, these cut and freeze frames and one takes and these big scenes where people are just flocking around these characters um, with the voiceover adding into that, it, it's definitely something that, uh, that's become a staple of his, um, of his directing. Mm -hmm. And that like long cut definitely contrasts too with the, like, uh, the part I'm thinking of is like the part when he's like super paranoid and like everything, he has to do like everything yes. at once. Right. So he has to like cook a meal for his family and deliver yes. this thing. And he's like being all while being like watched by this. He thinks he's being watched by this helicopter. The helicopter at the There's end, so many, yeah. Like so many quick cuts to like show yeah. that how like messed up and like because he's like so high from the cocaine that he's doing and like right. all that sort of stuff. Um, and I think that it does a really he does a really good job at contrasting those things. Right, and it, it's not a it's not so much a montage is it's almost just a succession of a lot of just quick cut scenes. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, but it's it's done so fast that it really takes you on that ride that he's on like you start to drift to the edge of your seat because everything's happening like boom 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 and and the scenes are going boom 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 he's doing this he's doing that he's doing this he's doing that and in real life you know and that's that's what his mind was doing even though obviously in real life you know it, it was like a three-stop trip and he's it, making some stops he's like, making a couple stops he has to get out of his car run inside you know if you look at it from a real life perspective it's not boom 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 but in his mind he's so high out of his mind and paranoid out of his mind that to him, his brain is going boom, 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 boom. And then so he, you know, Martin Scorsese matched that with, with, with the, the cinematography and the editing to really take you on that ride with that character. And, uh, you know, and I think that's just blending the fictional world and the technical world and your world and just mixing it all together. Um, yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah, I think, that, I think that part shows his, like, paranoia so well. Like, when I first watched the movie, I thought that the helicopter was like he was imagining it and i was like oh this guy's just super paranoid and but like as the day goes on you know like his brother sees the helicopter he's like oh he's actually following him and he's actually super super worried about what's gonna happen to him next but yeah yeah and it's weird because you know uh, you should want him to get caught i mean he's he's cheating on his wife he's selling drugs selling guns Killing people, doing all these bad things, but you find yourself not ner nervous for him. Nervous for him, and and I think that goes back to what we were talking about earlier, where he just makes, he doesn't romanticize or justify what his characters do. He just makes them so relatable that you find yourself on the ride with them, yeah. and and you look at it at you know you come to the end and think, yeah, he got what he deserved, but it's kind of like, oh, man, I wish he would have just kept like not got caught. That'd have been cool. Yeah. And then you kind of kind of go like, no, you shouldn't think like that. That's bad. Yeah. So. <laughs> But then, like, the, that ending when he just kind of, like, gets off, like, in the witness protection program and just, like, living a normal life, you're just kind of like, are you serious? He doesn't have to do right. anything for that? Yeah, no, and, and that's that's the brutal honesty of it. And he actually um, fell out of the witness protection program. Henry Hill, Henry Hill he actually got also, like, crime stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. he got back into, yeah. like, selling drugs and then um, just kind of started living his life. And and he, he had an interview back in 2010 or 12 or something. He's like, honestly, I don't know how I'm still alive. Um, probably a, a combination of that that crime world kind of falling apart and maybe his fame that just everybody was like, all right, forget it. Like, you know, um, we're not going to go. But generally in that situation, a big theme in the film is not ratting on your friends and keeping your mouth shut, and he didn't do that. And so mm -hmm. it was definitely surprising that the real-life Henry Hill made it to live uh, as, as old as he did, but, you know, such is life. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's funny how... It, you know that like that famous scene, the 
you think I'm funny? Like, you think I'm a clown? Sort of the Joe Pesci freak out sort of thing. Um, he, like, he says, like, at the end of that, he's like, oh, I think this guy's going to have a little trouble. Like, he might rat somebody out one day because he got so nervous. Um, and it was funny, like, because at the end, he ended up just doing just that. Right. Yeah. And it's actually funny that that actually really happened to Joe Pesci. That 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 scene wasn't originally in the script, mm-hmm. um, but they Joe Pesci was talking and said, "Hey, we should totally do this." It actually happened where Joe Pesci said, "Hey, you're funny" to a mobster back when he was younger. Um, not, he wasn't necessarily involved in that world, but just I mean, you know, when you're growing up in that area in New York, you're around it. Um, and he he said that to uh, a mobster, and and that dialogue ensued, and the you know. The mobster was like, hey, you think I'm funny? And so that all happened. And so that's why that was actually in the movie. Um, all right. Well, yeah, but we're about out of time. So we're just going to like wrap up. But Seth, thank you for coming on the podcast, sharing us a bit, a bit of what you know about the movie, what you know about the world of acting. Um, and yeah, we're excited for your future. Good fellas too. To, to get that shout out and that Oscar speech. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But uh, yeah. Thanks so much for being on. Hey. My shout out's going to Bob Dixon. Bob Dixon. If he gets me an A in sports journalism. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>